I'm excited. It's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good night. I want to give a special shout out to my man, Sean. He put a lot of work in the last couple hours making my PowerPoint. Got it to him pretty late. So a special thanks to you. Yeah. Not Schwartz McEntee. He's graduated. Ooh, Schwartz McKinty. All right. I'm so excited. So, who grew up watching Sesame Street? Mm, who remembers this guy? Bob Ross in the house. Bob Ross. Wasn't, weren't his paintings so cool? He would like start in the middle and you'd be like, this, what is this going to be? It's just like a blue streak, and then you threw a white one over it, and then a the red. This is going to turn out to be nothing. And then he'd go to the, he'd like leave the middle and go to the top right, and then go to the bottom. And he wouldn't like do it all. He wouldn't do like just the river. Like he would, he would go and fill in different parts. And then in the end, it was like this amazing picture, like that one. And man, isn't that fro sick? Who is waiting for that to come back in style? Mm. I think this tried to raise his hand, too. But Bob Ross. Well, tonight, I'm going to try to paint a picture for us. And it may be like, man, this is like kind of making sense. But by the end, I hope and believe that it will be a clear portrait of Jesus. And I get the privilege of talking about Jesus. We're about to start a new series where people about people who encountered Jesus. And so a whole bunch of stories. I'm really excited. And, and the first week, I get the privilege of talking. <coughs> who likes nicknames? I love how people have already pointed out Damani. Damani actually was going to use in this illustration. Nicknames, nicknames are funny. You know, it's funny how some people like force nicknames on you. It's funny that my name, not being Chris, but Christopher. Every time someone says Chris in her presence, in her presence she can be in another conversation like, Christopher. <laughs> I don't know if you forgot or anything, but it was, you meant to say Christopher. Like, but it's, so, it's just so funny how we'll like try to force nicknames. It is the worst thing you can do when it comes to nicknames. What is that? Yes! Very first guess. Giving yourself a nickname. That is like, to me, it is like, this is ludicrous. Who gives themselves a nickname? In Guardians of the Galaxy, I was going to say, Dan's going Dan's gonna to say something. He did. He tried to make it stick. He wasn't known as Star-Lord. He was by the end. He was successful. But that was a nickname. Another nickname? Nickname King over here. Damani. This guy. A few weeks ago, we're... we're going to the movies, and he's like, hey, from now on, you guys call me Troll McCain. <laughs> we were like, what? It wasn't even like, we weren't even talking about trolling. We weren't talking about John McCain. We weren't talking about anything that had to do with this. He just came out of nowhere, interrupted the entire conversation to make this announcement that he would be Troll McCain. And the even more impressive thing, he got that name to stick. He did. Even when he didn't want to. Even when he didn't want to. Dang, that was, that was good. 
But yes, Damani loves his nicknames. I, too, am guilty of this. In high school, actually started in elementary school, I tried to have my name changed to Peter. That is, <laughs> I fought hard for like a full year. My mom will never let it go. She, Katie loves to hear that story. I don't. But another name that I tried to make stick was Jay Skywalker. So lame, I know. In high school, I was somewhat good at basketball, and I could jump really high. And so I'm like, hey, I need a name that's befitting to my greatness. I thought I was great. Thought. And I was like, hey, today, from now on, call me Jay Skywalker. I don't have Damani skills. It was an epic fail. Most people were like, this is the lamest thing ever. But to this day, there are a few people who call me Skywalker. So if you ever see me around my old friends in Houston, one of them may walk up and be like, Skywalker, and I'll turn, and I'll know. <laughs> so. Just saying. But why, what does this have to do with Jesus? <laughs> nicknames. Jesus really liked nicknames, too. In fact, he gave himself a nickname. He loved nicknames. He also gave his friends nicknames. Who, who knows one of those nicknames that he gave to one of his friends? What did he call him? Oh, the twin. Thomas, yeah. Thomas, one of his disciples. He was known as the twin. There was Simon. What was his nickname? That was a trick question. There were two Simons in the group. There was one who was Simon the Zealot, and there was another who was Simon, he gave the name Peter, which means a rock. There's another name that he gave to some of his disciples, two brothers who were very passionate, Sons of Thunder. What a sweet nickname. If you understand what it means, it's like a little less sweet, but it's still, it still sounds pretty cool. But Jesus, Jesus had a nickname, and he called himself by this nickname frequently. 78 times it is recorded. In fact, when you look, if you were to see a graph of the names that Jesus used for himself, it's like the Son of Man, which was a nickname. The Son of Man, and then all the other names are like not even close. He didn't, like nothing, nothing even was used a quarter of the time as much as he referred to himself as a Son of Man. And he got that from Daniel. Oh, never mind. Those are just some examples of when he called himself the Son of Man, three of 78. But, sorry if you couldn't read that real fast. Where he got it from was from 600 years earlier when a prophet talked about a Messiah who would come. And it says in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, 13 and 14, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and all peoples of every, peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Jesus... Jesus took this name. Why did he take this name? To remind people of how he was the fulfillment of this prophecy that had come 600 years before. That's a long time. Think about this. If Christopher Columbus made a prophecy about you today, that would be a closer period of time than this prophecy and its fulfillment in Jesus. Isn't that crazy? 
he's like, not only does, and, but another reason he liked the name the Son of Man was because it represented his humanity. Jesus was a man. He was born of a virgin. He was born of a woman. He walked the earth. He was a, he was a carpenter. He was here. Like it, he wasn't just, he wanted to make it clear, like, I am a man, and not only am I a, ma- am I a man, but I am a fulfillment of prophecy. But something else that that name represents, and I love this because a friend who was here with us a few weeks ago, Winky Prattney, he pointed this out to me some years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He talked about how when Jesus referred to himself the son of, as the son of man, he was also pointing to the fact that Jesus was the quintessential man. I like that word, quintessential. Quintessential is like something that represents the most perfect example of something. What does that mean? It means that Jesus was the, the ideal human being. He was the ideal person. He was the person. His life was what our lives should have looked like. It's like he came and he was like, this is the way it should have been done. This is, look, I'm going to do what you should have been doing. That's, that's what he was as he was here. And so sometimes you hear us say like, oh, Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. That's, that's why we say that. Because Jesus is the son of man. He's the quintessential man. He is the ideal person. His life, his convictions, that's what our lives and our convictions should look like. So Jesus had a nickname, and he, he used it a lot. It's like the son of man did this, not I did this. The son of man. He was trying to send a message. I think that's cool because how many of y'all knew about that regarding the son of man? How many people had heard that before, like how much he referred to? A few, a couple hands have gone up, but not many. I think it's really cool that we're doing the Live Dead Challenge because one thing that we do, especially today too often, is we make the mistake of letting the things that we know about Jesus be what we heard someone else say rather than finding it out for ourselves. I think it's so cool. John, where, where's John? Probably looked, I looked right at you earlier and then I lost where you were. John, the other day, was telling, telling me how he read the Bible for the first time doing this Live Dead cha- Challenge. And he read 10 chapters of Mark the first day. That is so cool. I think it's awesome because there's so many things where you've heard things about Jesus, but now you get to see it for yourself. And now you get to find out what exactly it said. There's so many misconceptions out there about who Jesus is and what he did. And it's important for us to go and read it for ourselves, what he actually said. And not, not even, like even when someone tells us something about who Jesus is, like going and looking at that on our own. Like testing the scripture, reading it for ourselves. And so, just wanted to quickly look at a few misconceptions that there are about Jesus. One of my favorite Y'all look at this, and you're like, man, that is awkward. <laughs> that is so weird. It's Charles' fault. He sent me this picture. He found it somewhere, and it's all his fault. No, but for real, we can get, we can get off that. That's really weird. But we see pictures like that. We see these pictures of Jesus, and this dude has, like, a robe. Like, everybody else's robe is dirty, and his is clean. He looks like he's, like, 
Like, he just looks like kind of a, like, kind of like a wuss, you know. He looks like he had a fresh perm. Like, he, like, always has a fresh perm, and no one else has hair products back then, you know. Like, but Jesus, Jesus just knew, like, where to get the right perm, you know. And so he had one every week. We know that's impossible, though, because you can't have a perm every week. It'd mess up your hair. But, uh, and also because it's ridiculous, of course. But, but yes, like, but we see that. We see, like, these weird pictures of Jesus, and it's like, man, no. Hey, I'm going to be honest. Like, blonde hair, blue-eyed, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. But, you know, I, I saw someone really reach one time. It was a picture of a black dude. <laughs> Or more like Middle Eastern. And hold on, Mansoor. Arab. 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 It's a picture of an Arab dude. But he had, they photoshopped blonde hair and blue eyes onto him. I was like, y'all need to stop. Let it go. But another thing is, another misconception, I... I used to watch Family Guy back in the day, and it used to kill me because I'd watch Family Guy, and I'd think it was kind of funny. But Seth Green, man, I knew this guy was like, he was just mad at God or something because he always had Jesus in skits, always. And they would be like him doing some kind of magic trick to pick up girls. And it's like, man, you never see that in Scripture where Jesus is using, his, his, using this ability to heal people for his own benefit. It's always about other people. It's always out of genuine concern. And, John, you probably noticed this for yourself, how many times Jesus goes and tells people not to tell anyone that he healed them. He didn't want people to get caught up in miracles because it wasn't about the miracles. He knew how often we want to, like, we see a miracle and we want to chase miracles instead of chase him, chase God. And so that wasn't what he was about. But another misconception is this idea that Jesus could be just a good teacher. You know, he wasn't who he really said he was, but he was a really good teacher. He was a good man. And Christopher said this a few weeks ago. And got a fun quote from our friend C.S. Lewis. And don't worry, it's not short. (laughs) Jesus told people that their sins were forgiven. This makes sense only if he really was the God whose laws are broken and whose love is wounded in every sin. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is really one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said, that so- and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He told either he would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let's not come with any patronizing sense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. C.S. Lewis and Christopher both said it. Can't really add much to both of them. You can't 
He can't just be a good guy. Because a good guy wouldn't lie and mislead everyone like that. He can't. He can't be that. And so those are just some things that Jesus, like, as we look at him, these are things that he cannot be. So who is he? One thing that I think it says, hold on. One thing that he said about who he was was that he was God. John 1 One through three says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's some good stuff. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word is a that word for word is a Greek word. It's called logos. Jesus was the logos. He said he was God and he was with God. And nothing that has been made, nothing that we see around us is here without having come through him, without him having made it. That's a pretty big claim. But he says that. Not only does he say that like everything that we see is through him, he also says that he's eternal. He's, he's making the claim that he was there in the beginning, before all that. He makes that claim several times, actually. These are some big things. What does that mean, the logos? The logos of God. I think that is just one of the most profound things in the entire Bible. The logos Jesus is God simplified. Jesus is God made approachable. Jesus is God available. A thought. You don't know any of my thoughts until I give you words so that you can understand this thought and see it and and experience it. But without me saying anything, there's no way of you really knowing it. Or when you want to know who someone is, What do you do? You look at what they've said, and you look at their lives. That's what we do to understand who someone is. That's what Jesus did. He came here, and he expressed the invisible God. He was the words of the invisible God. That's what it means as it says this. Jesus is the hidden thought expressed to us in flesh and blood. John 1 14 says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us the hidden thought of god was made flesh and was around us jesus is god showing his character in the place where our characters are formed jesus is god come here so many times people have this idea of the omniscient God, this God who is, who is hidden, who's spirit, who's this and that. And Jesus is God before us so that we can look at his life and so that we can say, okay, this is what you're like. And Jesus says this. He says stuff like, I and the Father. He said, if you, have see, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He says that. He says in John 2, and 
before we go to the next verse, go back right quick, Sean, if you can, or whoever is doing it. I don't know. Okay. Another thing is, Jesus is the only person, the only person that we know of who has been killed, not for what they did, but for what they said, who they said they were. That's why Jesus was killed, because he said that he was God. Now we can read that verse. John 10, 30. 33, Jesus said, the Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. He said he was God. That makes him distinct from anyone else, any, you know, you, 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 you want to look at other religions, no comparison. No one else said they were God. Confucius didn't say he was God. Buddha didn't say he was God. It's funny because some people want to say that Buddha was God, but he didn't even believe in God. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. You're going to say that this man is God, yet he didn't even believe there was a God? Muhammad, he didn't say that he was God. Jesus is the only one who said that he was God. Not only was Jesus, his claims about who he was, not only was that exceptional, but also what was exceptional was what he said, his teachings. His teachings are unparalleled. He, his commands, they're on a field of their own. I'm going to have us read just a few of them. Here we go. Matthew 5. You have heard the law. You've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only people, only those who love you, what reward is that for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do, do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? And then it also says, you must love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands and all the demands of the prophet are, prophets are based on these two commandments. Mark 10, he says, you know that the rulers of this world lord it over the people and officials and flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the last one, and the last two, Luke 6. If anyone takes your coat, do not withhold from them your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you. And if everyone asks, if anyone, if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. 
Do to others as you would have them do to you. And lastly, John 15. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. It wasn't just about duty with Jesus. Duty. It's a funny word. But it wasn't. It wasn't just about doing things because it's like, oh, okay, because you asked this, I guess I'll do it. It's like, no. You should want to do it. In fact, it's not quality until it is a real want. You can't just serve people. You have to want to serve people. You have to genuinely care for them. You ha like, it's not enough to just do the right thing and show. You have to have the motives behind it as well. Jesus' standards were extremely high. In fact, they're unparalleled. No one's standards were higher. The this, this stuff that he said, when you look at it and you compare it to anything else that we have discovered in this world, no one. What if the U.S. government tried to do that? What if the U.S. government was like, no, 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 you can't just park in this parking, parking spot. You have to want other people to have what's better than you, what you have. So you should go and park far away in the back of the parking lot. What if that was a legitimate law? That wouldn't last, that wouldn't last very long. Our law is like, it's like the bare minimum. Hey, don't do this or you're gonna get a fine. <laughs> like, the US government can't ask us about our motives. It can't ask us about why we do what we do. It can just ask us not to do certain things. Uh, uh, sorry, there is, I'm, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, forgive me, there was something I didn't put in the notes, and every time I talk about Jesus, I just can't not say this, it's so interesting, it's so good, E. Stanley Jones said this, Jesus was never amazed at miracles, he was only amazed twice, and it was when someone had amazing trust in God, and when a group of people refused to trust God, that was the other time that he was amazed. But he was never amazed at miracles. He said, Jesus didn't argue the worth of womanhood and the necessity of giving women equal rights. He treated them with infinite respect, gave to them his most sublime teachings, and when he rose from the dead, he appeared first to a woman. He didn't discuss the question of worth of the worth of every person as we do today. He went out and loved and served everyone. Many teachers have tried to diagnose the disease of humanity, but Jesus cured it. Many teachers have tried to explain everything away, ev tried to explain everything in this world, and they've changed little or nothing. Jesus explained little and changed everything. He is the only man in history who demanded a concrete life of all of his followers, and he himself is the only man in history who lived it out. No hypocrisy. Perfection. In John chapter 6, 
there's an amazing story. Uh, not story, just an amazing like whole section of things that Jesus said. Jesus said a ton of things in this like John 5 and 6. If you ever go back and read it, prepare to be blown away and then at the same time be like, he said that? Whoa. Oh, like it's like it hits you that he said this stuff. It hit the people who were there so hard that it said that many of his followers began to walk away after hearing him say these things. And as you read this text, you read it and you see Jesus and there's like real hurt in his like you can you can you can feel it. You can feel it as you read these words. And it says, as many of the followers began to leave, Jesus turned to the disciples. And he said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter, who usually has a foot-shaped mouth, <laughs> says, this is one of his best moments ever. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Lord, where else shall we, shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Friends, let's just be honest. There are a lot of people in this world who have made a whole lot of claims about how great they are and what we should do with our lives and how we should spend our lives on this earth. And every one of them, you know it, you know it, every one of them has let you and me down. Every sports figure, every politician, every political party, no one. Some people had great, great words to say, but no one lived up to their words, let alone Jesus's. No one's life has been able to reach everything that they said they ought to be. You know this is right. How many times do we, every week, some some person that was lifted up high, they, they came crashing down because, oh, we found them in this, or we found out they were doing this. All the time. And it'll keep happening. People that you revere, you'll see it. You've already been hurt. Some of you, some of you, it was, you, you had your parents on a pedestal. That was the case for me. I, my dad was my greatest hero. He's, he was so respected in the church, in his job, everywhere. Every, kids used to always walk up to me and say, man, I wish I had your dad. And then crash down. And not because of, this has nothing to do with, like, I love my dad. I'm so grateful for him. But no man, no woman has lived up. No one. Except for one. No one. I remember a few years ago there was this guy. He was a governor. <sighs> my mother-in-law, she'll know this. I don't think anybody else will remember this unless you're from the state of New York. He was a governor. He was revered. He, like, cleaned up the city. He was an attorney general before this. He, like, cleaned up, I'm sorry, the, the entire state. He, like, went after, uh, you know, you know white-collar crime on Wall Street and cleaned Wall Street up. He, like, cleaned up, like, he, like, busted, like, crime lords. He did a whole bunch of stuff to clean up New York. Revered. And I remember this was, like, 10 years ago. I remember standing in front of a TV around a bunch of adults. I was, like, 19 then. And as I was there, this guy was on the news apologizing to everyone because it just came out that he was involved in this huge sex scandal, prostitution, and he was facilitating women, 
like companies paying many thousands of dollars to be with women. Many thousands, I mean like ten, twenty thousand dollars for like evenings and weekends. Crazy stuff. And I remember all the adults around me being like, they didn't have tears in their eyes, but they were just like disillusioned. They're like, man, that guy did so much. He was so respected. And he was involved in this. But that's, when we look at the lives of everyone in history, that's, that's how it's always been. Everyone lets us down. And I'm not saying this to, to be like sad or <laughs> despondent. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus is God simplified. If you transfer every characteristic of character that you, ha- that you had of your idea of God to Jesus, you will not lower your estimate of God. You will heighten it. I think of Jesus. There's nothing higher that can be said of God in my mind. Nothing. I remember there was a guy, I heard him say this. He wasn't a Christian at the time, but he said, friend, if what you say, if this stuff that I'm reading about Jesus, if this man, if this is God, if the heart at the back of the universe who pulls all the strings, if that heart in the back of the universe is like this man, Jesus, then I'll give, his, I'll give my life to him. When you look at Jesus' life, when you read about it, you're not going to come across anything better. You're not. And one thing I didn't say earlier is he's not a myth. His friends wrote about him. People who didn't believe in him, like believe that he was who he said he was, wrote about him. You can't say that he wasn't here. You can't say that he didn't do this stuff. Because it's, 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 it j- that just can't be avoided. He is history. He is fact. As I um, come to the end, in Acts chapter 2, Peter again, man with a foot-shaped mouth, he says something else in his first sermon after Jesus has died and rose again. He says this, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Lord and Messiah. Messiah is interchangeable with Savior. Lord and Savior. I remember hearing this many years ago, and it, I've, I think it's so true. So many people want Jesus to be their Savior, to save them from their suffering, from their circumstances, from themselves. But so few people want Jesus to be their Lord. I really felt like tonight that I, I should bring it before you that Anyone in here who has struggled with letting Jesus be their Lord, and what I mean by that is letting him be the chief operating officer of your life, letting him be the CEO, letting him be the one in the driver's seat, letting him be the one where when you're up against, should I do this, and this is what he said, in regards to what I'm trying to choose, you choose what he said over what you think. Anyone who's struggling with letting Jesus be their Lord, 
tonight is a better night than any to change that forever. To let him be Lord. Years ago, years ago, I was, I wish it was like five years ago, but it's actually 10 years ago. 10 years ago, exactly. It, three, two months ago, it'd be 10 years ago. No, a month ago, 10 years ago. I, <laughs> you're like, what is he talking about? I was a freshman at Sam Houston State University. And I was, as I was a freshman, I was like just pretty thick into the, the party scene. You know, I had met my small group leader, my soon-to-be small group leader. I had met him. He wouldn't leave me alone. He lived right next door to me, something I was not excited about. I'm grateful for it today. But he lived right next door to me, and he was always telling, hey, come to Chi Alpha, come to small group. Hey, thanks, but no thanks. And I was like, I only had two goals when I got to college. I'm going to party as hard as I can, and I'm going to do as well as I can in school. I'm going to live the college experience, the college experience. And there was one night that it was like, Let's just say I lived that experience more than I ever had my whole life to this day since. And I woke up, and anybody who knows me knows I don't sleep late. Even if I sleep late, it's like 9.30. I woke up at like 2.30 that day. 2.30, missed all my classes. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to like, this is not hyperbole. It was a voice. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a Jordan, you know, it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like that, but it was like, it was so real and it was clear. And I was like, Jordan, what are you doing? And I, and I was talking, I was literally talking back to it. My roommate was gone, so I just woke up, I looked down, hey, he's not here. I can talk out loud. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, why are you doing this? I like, I don't know. You don't even enjoy this stuff. I was like, I know. It's not, you know it's not <laughs> what you want it to be. I was like, yeah. I was like, Jordan, you have been making your own decisions your entire life, and you don't like the results of that. You look at your life, and you're displeased. That's why you're, that's why you're doing this, because you're trying to find something and I was like, yeah, I am. I was like, Jordan, you, you don't like, you don't like what you, you don't like the results of what you've been doing and the decisions you've been making. Jordan, why don't you let me, why don't you, why don't you let me take the lead? And I was like, okay. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I, I got out of the bed. I was in my underwear. It's all guys dorm, so it's okay. You know, and I w walk outside and I go knock on the door and I'm like, "Hey, I was hoping that guy who's my s who ended up being my small group leader was there, and he was there, and he was like, "Hey, what? <laughs> What's up, man?" And I'm like, "Dude, I come to small group," and he was like, "This is so so weird." <laughs> sure, it's next week. I was like, "Cool." And he, he jokes with me all the time. He's like, man, I, I didn't think you were coming. And I came. And I'm really glad. I haven't been perfect since. I haven't had it all together since. But that day began the journey of me not being the chief operate, operating officer of my life anymore. And I am so grateful for the results. <laughs> I can say with Peter, 
that I have begun this journey as well. And Lord, where else will I go? You have the words of eternal life. The band can come back up. As it come back up, and I'm closing, I have been freaking out about a certain scripture, and they are, everybody on staff is tired of hearing me say this. <laughs> they know exactly what's about to be said, but I have just been exploding with joy over this, and I'm about to unleash it on y'all. Let's go. Second Chronicles 9, 1 through 3. This is so cool. It's about King Solomon, and I'm so glad we're finishing here. So good. So a couple guys who were in my smart group last year know that when Jordan gets this excited, I know it's good. It is because it's about the Lord. Second Chronicles 9. Man, now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in, all that was in her heart. Solomon answered, all of her questions, nothing was too hard for him to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon, as well as all of the palace that he had built, oh man, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attending of his servants in their robes, the cupbearers in their robes, and the burnt offerings he made, the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, you report, and I heard in my own country about your achievements and your true wisdom. I'm sorry, I can't, but I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half of the greatness of your wisdom was told to me. You have exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. I told you to be long. <laughs> Praise be to the Lord your God who is delighted in you and placed you on his throne as a king to rule for the Lord your God because of the love of your Lord your God for Israel and his desire to uphold them forever, Israel. He has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness. Lord, where else will we go? There's so many things in this world. So many people saying that they have the truth. But she went and she saw this man Solomon. And she said, the report that I heard of you is not even half as good as who you really are. Jesus said in Matthew 12, it's, I don't, I don't know if it'll come up. Hopefully it'll come up. <laughs> I know, Sean, I know you're not happy about this. It says in Matthew 12, the queen, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to the same people in the same place. He said, the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now, something greater than Solomon is here. He said to them, look, we read about Solomon and his greatness and his eye for splendor and his wisdom and how unmatched he was, how unparalleled he was compared to all the kings of the day. And I'm telling you now, something greater than Solomon is here. Does, do you get what that means? What that means for us? 
That means that when you stand before him one day, if you say yes to him, you will look at him and you will say, everything that I heard about you is unmatched compared to who you really are. I did not waste my life. This is the best thing I could have ever done. I came here and I thought you would be good. I came and I gave my life to you and I thought that it would be like it'd be a good decision. And I realized there's nothing better. Where else would I go? And then what she says, she says, how happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you just to stand before you and listen to you. How happy they should be. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on his throne as a king to rule over the Lord. Rule over the, I'm sorry, rule for the Lord your God because of the love of your God for Israel and his desire to uphold Israel forever. He has made you king over them to maintain justice and righteousness because of the Lord your God's love for you. He has made him king for you. And how happy you will be if you just say, Lord, I'll let you be the chief operating officer of my life. I'll let you be the king. How happy you'll be to delight, to stand before him. And then in the end, you will say, well, where else would I go? You are unmatched and unrivaled. You are worthy. And you are worth it. Lord God, we have sifted through all of the ideas and all the people who say that we should go after this and go after that. All the people who say this is worth, worth giving your life to. We have sifted through it all and we have found it wanting. Everything is unmatched to you because you, the greater Solomon, are here before us. And how happy we will be if we would just say yes to you. You are so worth it. You're so worth it. How happy I am to say that I get to sit in your presence and enjoy you and be a servant of the king. Lord, I don't want to go anywhere else. Thank you. We love you, Lord.